Welcome to the Mind Affinity Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Today, I'm chatting with Claire Lawrence. So let's find out what she has to say after this. The mind is capable of amazing things, and yet so many people use that immense power to hold themselves back. Imagine what you could achieve harnessing that power and using it to push yourself forward. This is the Mind Affinity Podcast, the place for advice and inspiration to help you empower yourself. Hi, Claire. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, Duncan. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here on this very, very warm day while we're recording this. (laughs) Yes, it is a bit toasty, isn't it? (laughs) So introduce yourself. Let me know who you are and what you do. Cool. Yeah. So my name is Claire Lawrence. Uh, I currently live in Buxton, Derbyshire, uh, and I'm a dog trainer who specializes in helping uh, dog owners with their barking dogs more specifically. Excellent. Uh, I beautiful area of the country and a great place for walking dogs so uh, you've nailed that <laughs> yes it, it's stunning so when you're when you're helping people who have either unruly or very loud barky dogs how much of your time is spent training the dog compared to how much time is spent actually training the owners of the dog it's definitely more training of the owners for sure there's a hell of a lot that goes into it of course you do get dogs who can pick it up really quickly and be like oh yeah thank you know finally we've got someone who understands me (laughs) Um, but at the same time there are dogs who have got more complicated um psychological issues going on that just need as much support uh, as the owners but yeah i i often say i'm a dog trainer but really i'm a people trainer (laughs) (laughs) so what got you into that what led you down that route oh my um there's multiple paths that led me to doing what I'm doing today but the first one um I left home really early so I left home at 15 uh, I was homeless and living in a tent and I thought it'd be a wonderful idea to get a dog um an eight-week-old puppy a German shepherd more specifically uh, couldn't look after myself so I go and get an eight-week-old puppy and it actually to be fair it turned out really well for the first four years we had a great bond I could take him anywhere he was mahoosive he was like a 60 kilo dog he was huge um and everything everything was great up until he was about four and he got attacked by multiple off-lead dogs so three dogs piled on him after we'd come back off a walk and it was almost within that next few days and days after that I had a really serious problem on my hands in terms of behavioral issues Mm. he went from very much what I'd class as perfect too very problematic um so that was my first experience with a barking lunging wood bite dog um and my journey continued from there on in actually afterwards um with my current dogs and it just yeah I just love learning about it and I don't think there's any end to learning about the species itself it's wonderful I was I was chatting with someone and he used the expression he was genuinely talking about his dog um uh, and there was another dog owner in a park who was like his dog was off the lead went running over uh and the 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 owner of the other dog said oh oh, it's fine they're friendly and and john the guy i was talking to said yeah but you don't know my dog just because your dog's friendly doesn't mean that and you know my dog could be the friendliest dog in the world but seeing another dog running directly towards it could still be enough to spook it and then it react and respond in a certain way 
And it was during that conversation that we, we both kind of realized what an excellent expression for human behavior and characteristics. You don't know my dog. You don't know what's going on with my subconscious mind. You know, that reactive emotional part, that system one brain that, that could be making all sorts of associations that you don't even consciously realize in a split second based on the situation that they find themselves in and can become very, very reactive. What were your experiences? So obviously suddenly having such a large and problematic dog must have been a real challenge for you as well. What, what did you learn about yourself going through that process? A lot. <laughs> I love a lot. Um, yeah, well, when it happened, I was really young. So I was left in a, a panic state of mind because I couldn't control this dog. Um, I felt so many external judgments from other people. And there were parts where I was actually told to put the dog down because it was so severe. So in, in that journey, I kind of panicked and I rushed to want to solve the problem. And in rushing, and panicking I made the problem worse so I really learned a lot about myself in terms of what he was going through as well so the confidence that I did feel I learned loads of lessons Duncan but probably the main one is that the confidence I felt with Titan prior to his incident was actually a level of fake confidence hmm. and so when his confidence went mine was shattered as well which was probably the biggest lesson out of all of it so how did you work through that obviously with him but with yourself as well that must have been quite a journey of rebuilding that did it did it help to have almost that external focus of doing it for him uh did that help you to work on yourself more definitely definitely um I knew that <sighs> Perhaps I'm a little bit weird, but I, I love to know that dogs are secure and safe and comfortable. And I went to lengths where I would not give myself what I needed to ensure that my dogs had what they needed. So when I was working um, to help him, the, the, the journey that I found myself on and kind of coming through was that I had a lot more internal work to do to help him with his behavior because it all ties in. I'm sure people have heard the phrase, um, they'll sense it down the lead. Your mm. emotions will travel down the lead. Well, that couldn't be truer because it does. So I knew in order to, to help him, I had to work on myself. What are, what are your top tips? Let's let's actually talk about dog training for a moment because, well, because I love dogs and I'm interested in this. So what would be your top tips for, from, from the very start, early on, because, getting it right to start with is important. And then further down the line, if you've got challenges that need ironing out and working on. Okay, so if we look at this, uh, well, with barking, first and foremost, you have to work out why the dog's doing it. As you were on about there with internal reactions and stuff um, that we can sense. Dogs can have this too, you know, they have emotions, they have feelings, they're an intelligent species. So why are they performing that barking? Is it that they're scared, which is what I normally specialize in, scared dogs react in a defensive manner to get the thing to go away? Are they frustrated? Perhaps they really want to get to something, but they're on a barrier with a lead or there's a gate or there's a window and they can't access it. So they get frustrated. 
are they seeking attention? Are they bored? Um, there's lots of different avenues why dogs can, I use the word react, but in a sense of, of, of barking and every species reacts. Um, so first work out why. Secondly, then you wanna have a look at preventing that behavior from being practiced. So if a dog is practicing barking, it's a self-reinforcing activity it works, they're gonna use it more. It's not just gonna go away. Um, so yeah, prevent it happening. And then what you really wanna do is teach an alternative behavior. If you think of it like a habit. So I've, I've recently just given up smoking and drinking and it was a habit that was really reinforced in me that hmm. it was automated, you know? Um, and to break that habit, it was tough. I was like, instead of going out for a fag in the morning, I'll go out and I'll do extra time with the dogs and I'll sit there and have a glass of water. And, and it took a lot to rebuild that new habit and that pathway. Uh, but once I did, like, I don't miss the smoking and the drinking at all now. Absolutely. And it can be even more of a challenge when you've got other associations with that. So um, in the example of the dogs you spoke about, if there was a particular window or maybe there's a there's a house that has a dog in it that he doesn't get on with or something that you will have to walk past or in the case of smoking and drinking it's going out for a meal with friends and then naturally you go outside for a cigarette afterwards or you know if you if you have a cigarette on that morning we'll walk with the dogs you can't just not walk the dogs in the morning in order to avoid that that association that you've built so yeah do you know a lot of that is very in line with how and, and this is no real surprise it's very much in line with how uh, I work with clients when people have similar issues you know we all on some level we are reactive just like any other animal uh, and it's that it's very much that system one brain that deals with that primal instinct kind of stuff and you're right one of the first things I, I would take I would insert one more thing before the why uh, which is just accepting it, allowing it um, which dogs do. They're brilliant at that bit. <laughs> they just do it. Um, we, we add an extra barrier, which creates actually a far bigger problem for ourselves a lot of the time of, of not even accepting that we feel that way, not wanting to acknowledge it. And so it's not until we're way past this. And, and this is something that's true with dogs as well, isn't it? If you want to reinforce good behavior, you have to reward them in the moment. Uh, and you can't be telling them off for something they did three days ago, because they're not going to get that right. Um, and so we lose out on that a lot as humans because we tell ourselves that we that it's we we ignore it. We don't want to feel that way. So it's not until something else happens that kind of you know the straw that broke the camel's back that we flip out or whatever. And actually, often it's been something that's building for a long time that we've just not acknowledged. So acknowledgement has to come first. But dogs have got that bit down. Uh, then the why, absolutely. So again, so true with humans. Scared, frustrated. Um, bored and looking for attention, all of these things build up a level of stress within us that we're then ready to react to or more ready to react to other things that are going on, which is why it's so easy to, to misunderstand the why as well. You know, it, it could be, I'm sure, probably true with a dog as well, that there's something uncomfortable uh, that's building and building. And then when that other dog does something or when that toddler approaches unexpectedly or whatever, that can be the moment that, that tips it over the edge, but it could be a whole lot, a load of things that build up to that. Um, and yeah, prevention, understanding. Okay. So if I get really anxious going into a situation like this, what is it about that situation that makes me anxious? What can I do to, 
be aware of, accept and manage my reaction beforehand and be prepared for it. And what can I do to, you know, sometimes ultimately until you've built up the resistance you need, avoiding the situations that are going to trigger problems for you. So what's been the hardest lesson for you to learn along the way as you've been working through that stuff? Oh, wow. Um, the hardest lesson, you know, Duncan, probably would be understanding myself in a much more authentic place. So you were on about there about, we call it trigger stacking in, in dog training and mm -hmm. people do this as well. And a lot of blocking tactics, coping strategies really, aren't they? So yeah. a lot of blocking that I did mainly towards other people and the judgments that I felt in those situations, I blocked it and I was like, yeah, whatever. And I got lost in, in, in kind of who I was. I kind of became quite a defensive, dare I say, arrogant person. You know, I was just like, I've got no time for humans. <laughs> I just only care about the work. So yeah, understanding, understanding myself um, and kind of knowing when to listen to the self-critic and when not to if that makes sense. That's probably, yeah, probably the hardest lesson. So I, I, I want to delve a little bit deeper into that. For those that are listening that are thinking, yeah, I, I want to do that. How? What's, what's the key? And I appreciate everyone's different, but for you, what was the key to being able to understand when you should and shouldn't listen and how to respond to that inner critic? I first tracked it. How often am I telling myself that I'm not good enough? How often am I telling myself um, that other people are saying this or doing that or whatever? So yeah, I tracked it first. And then what I did was I kind of pulled out, okay, which parts of this critic are pushing me to do better and be better? And which parts pushing me up, should I say, and which parts are pushing me, pushing me down? So that's what I did first. Um, I also think it's like an ongoing journey so there are like parts of us that make up us. And for me, it was understanding which parts are natural to me and which parts kind of make me feel good. Um, and, and focusing on my high priority actions, mm -hmm. focusing on the actions that I love doing, that build my confidence, that I'm most comfortable in doing and doing those every day. And for me, that's working with the dogs. So I did more of that and less of the stuff that the admin, the stuff that bores me. <laughs> I don't like doing um, is where I went. Amazing. And it's, that, it's a lesson that comes up in so many of my podcasts and, and conversations with people around that. Do more of what you love and less of what you don't. It's so simple. And we, we overcomplicate this and we find barriers and excuses uh, which we think are valid reasons to not be able to do that. Um, you know, it, it's true in business. Oh, I, I'm no good at doing my accounts. I've got no interest in it. It doesn't excite me. It doesn't make me feel good. So I get someone else to do it and I pay them. Exactly. <laughs> um, and it, it, it took me, myself personally, it took three years, I think, before I actually started outsourcing that. Having someone else do it was just took such a huge load off and just makes it so much easier. And so now I don't need to worry about that and think about that. There's a few 
basic tasks admin wise relating to it that I need to keep on top of. But it's easy to do that because A, I'm accountable because someone else is waiting for it so they can do the, the hard work. Um, and yeah, it means I can then free up more time for being creative, working with clients, doing the stuff that I love doing. Absolutely agree with that. I think it's very easy to get bogged down with the stuff that we feel we have to do. Um, but when you let go of it and give it, like you say, outsource it, get more time for the stuff you love. We've spoken a lot about um, the parallels between training dogs and, and, and how in reality a lot of that is training humans. Reactive dogs and us being reactive as humans. What else can dogs teach us about ourselves? Silence, knowing that being comfortable with silence, I think is, is a big thing. That presence, the present, being present, being silent. And yeah. when you, like I love observing. And if you just stop and take, if you own an animal of any sorts, if you stop and watch them and just observe, it opens up so many doors in the ways of silent communication. Mm. I love that. I love that. So like, silence is a, is a beautiful thing. Uh, as, as someone who loves music constantly and, and perfectly comfortable in loud, vibrant settings, I also really enjoy those moments where you don't need words to communicate what's happening, you know? Uh, and it's actually, it's interesting. You can find pockets of that even when there's a lot of noise going on, even when things aren't necessarily quiet, I think. Um, silence, it doesn't always necessarily mean auditory silence. I mean, kind of does by definition, but I mean, in terms of how I experience it, you can drown out all of the sound and everything that's going around you and still have those moments of silence wherever you are, right? Um, and, and observing, it's, it's so true with, with people as well as with animals. I love people watching um, and, and I love watching those that I'm close to. Just, you know, I've been sat up at the table getting on with some work or whatever and I look across the room and just stop and I just watch. And it's just really lovely to see people when they don't know they're being observed, just doing their own thing. It's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of observing. So have you always been comfortable with silence? Nope. <laughs> I forgot this is an audio podcast then. Sorry for shaking my head and not oh, saying <laughs> that's That's fine. I, I Rarely an episode goes by where I don't do air quotes for no good reason. <laughs> um, and I, I figured that would be the case. So tell me a bit about your journey to embracing silence. Oh, so... We're quite a noisy species, species as humans. Um, and I used to really struggle and find silence really awkward. So if there were any pauses or if there was that sense of awkwardness, I'd try and fill that gap. And usually with pointless small talk mm -hmm. um, and stuff that I'd not really thought through about saying. So as I went on my journey and being more confident, being more understanding of myself and being more of who exactly it is that I am, I found that this silence can be really beneficial to give not only myself time to think, 
but also the other person time to think. And it just brought it much more in the way of better connections uh, and more interesting conversations instead of, hey, how's the weather today? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> um, so yeah, and it, it helped me be more calm and relaxed as well, I think, by observing and assessing and just thinking, just thinking. Excellent. Part of me doesn't want to respond to that. I just want to leave some silence here. <laughs> Ironic. <laughs> I, I would certainly recommend to anyone who's listening to the podcast now, once we finish this podcast, find some time, create some time to just enjoy some silence. And that can be alone. That can be with someone else. And do you know what? Even with someone that you're really comfortable with, intentionally stopping to sit and embracing silence can be really awkward and uncomfortable at first. It really can. Do it more, push through that, and it can, it can really create a different perspective of the connection that you have, I find. Yeah. I think when you, yeah, it's special when you sit with somebody and you don't necessarily have to say anything. Excellent. So Claire, uh, in the time that we've got left, because we're getting to the end of the podcast already, it just flies by, right? Um, you've, you, obviously, you've spoken about comfort with silence um, and, and finding your space. And those are really important things. So it could be that you're bringing that back up or you may go on to something else. But what one thing, if the whole world was listening to you right now, what one thing do you really want to share? What message do you want to put out there? I think when it comes to your own personal journey and working, yeah, working within this silence to really think about what it is that you want in life. You know, I think it's very easy to channel off and follow other people's priorities and, and actions and stuff like that. But whilst it's really useful learning and looking up to people and going, yeah, that's brilliant. I want to be like them or I want to, you know, grow like they have really focus on you as an individual first and take that silent time to um, spend some time on yourself. Spending time on yourself is so important. A beautiful message and a, a wonderful thing to share and to remind people of. Claire, thank you so much for coming on. It's been brilliant chatting with you and uh, I look forward to, to seeing more of you and, and, and connecting with you and finding out more about basically I'm just going to stalk you in the hope I see lots of pictures of dogs um that's that's my plan now so if other people want to get in touch to find out more or they need help with their dogs where can they find you okay great um the best place to seek out assistance for your barking dog is my website uh, three steps to silence so it's www.3sts.co.uk wonderful Claire thanks again thank you for having me Duncan